0: Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Welcome
2: to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb, And
2: I'm Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of the week that we read back some of the messages that you have sent in recently. Uh, So, Rob, if you don't mind, today I'm going to get us started with a message that came in from Chris in response to our episodes on natural flames and fire coming out of the earth. All right. All right. Chris says, hi, Robert and Joe. I loved your episodes about eternal flames and thought you might want to see some images of Mount Chimera. And then uh, Chris includes a description referring to one of the images uh, they sent along. And also Yanartash, uh, meaning the rock that lights up, and Olympus, the modern town and the ruins of the Greco-Roman city. Oh, this is cool, because this is a place uh, that you actually brought up in uh, that pair of episodes, Rob. Oh, yeah. I think Yanartash specifically is the one where the, it has the fire coming out of the rocks on the, right, right. the middle side. Yeah. Um, but Chris goes on. Both the modern and ancient cities sit on the banks of the Akchai River uh, in antiquity known as Harpasos, right where it empties into the Mediterranean on a beautiful pebble beach surrounded by high cliffs. There are a number of rustic pensions or pinciones, uh, I think this just means like little houses or huts. Uh, where most tourists stay between the modern town and the ancient sites. There are ruins all along the river, including a Roman bath and numerous tombs, all covered in vines and moss and surrounded by bright red poppies. The grounds are not yet improved, so there are no trails and tourists are able to scramble all over the ancient structures, for better or worse. The whole place looks very Indiana Jones. Apparently, the area was a pirate sanctuary for thousands of years, and you can feel why if you kayak around the cove among the sea turtles and ruins of the Genovese fortresses on the surrounding cliffs. You can hike directly to Yanartash from the beach, or you can take a tourist bus to the base of Mount Chimera, which is what we did. The hike from the base takes about 30 minutes. The trail uh, has steps, but I can only describe them as cyclopean, and most people tried to walk around them. The path is littered with carved marble chunks of ancient monuments or temples. When you finally get to the top, it's a little bit of a letdown, at least during the day. Uh Yanartash is sort of a smallish clearing of ashy-looking bare rocks surrounded by forest and a few bits of what must have been a temple right at the tree line. As the sun goes down, though, the place takes on an eerie quality that you can imagine might inspire stories about monsters. We saw no lions or snakes, by the way. Oh, this is referring, I think, Rob, to uh, uh, you talking about the, the those ancient writings about the different animals of the chimera monster mm-hmm. being around the area. Uh, so, Chris says, no lions, no snakes, but, uh, picking up, there are many domestic goats on the surrounding hillsides. The sound of their bleating, the call of the goat herds, and the clanking of the bells around their necks instantly evoke the past. It's an amazing trip that I almost don't want to recommend so as not to spoil it. I only found out about it because my wife and I were teaching in Istanbul at the time and looking for something to do on our fall break. The host of our pension was uh, very friendly and spent most nights chatting with guests of all ages from all over the world, drinking beer or tea around a fire pit in the front courtyard. Idyllic barely describes the experience. Thanks for letting me share. Hope you enjoy the photos. I'm the guy standing in the river. And then Chris attaches many photos, uh, some of which are extremely beautiful. One indeed does have one
0: standing in a river. (laughs) Well, awesome. It was great to hear some firsthand experience uh, from from this uh, fascinating location. All right, here's another one. This one comes to us from Stephen in response to our Stargazer in the Well episode. Dear Joe and Rob, I really enjoyed your recent podcast on stargazing in the daytime through wells. I thought I'd point your attention to a way the real-life, bona fide, modern-day astronomers use wells of a sort to observe the night sky. The Super Kamiokandi is a massive artificial body of water buried deep in an old mine under Japan. This is, in a loose sense, a well, though it doesn't have any shafts leading from the water straight to the air. Instead, the mine acts as a shield against cosmic radiation, allowing only neutrinos to pass through into the water below to be picked up by the super-AI's detectors. Of course, most of the neutrinos come from our sun, though there are records of neutrinos coming from supernova, things that would normally only be observable in the night sky. Thanks for a great show, much appreciated, Stephen. Yeah, I, I believe I've seen photographs of uh, uh, of this before. It's just like it's quite captivating. It looks very sci-fi. Yeah,
2: I don't know how much I already knew about this one because I realized um, at first I thought I knew what he was talking about, but then I realized I was thinking of the the South Pole uh, neutrino observatory, the Ice Cube mm-hmm. Observatory, which is like a, a subterranean facility uh, in Antarctica. But this one in a mine in Japan also sounds fascinating. So, yeah, uh, really good on that connection. I I did not make that.
0: Yeah, I believe I wrote an article about like top 10 amazing telescopes or something uh, like 10 years ago for how stuff works. And uh, I remember looking at a lot of photographs of these various installations. And I believe some of the, some of the, uh, the images I saw of this one, uh, it, it reminded me of, uh, of, 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 yeah, just pure science fiction. It, you know, these vast spaces with, uh, uh, you know, these kind of like golden looking uh, lights in it, uh, quite fascinating.
2: Yeah the the detector room looks like a set from 2001 a space odyssey like right dave awakens in it and mm-hmm. he speaks to some being inside his head or something
0: yeah yeah and so uh you know it's like uh, stephen said not a direct comparison to be made between this and a well but uh, some things line up so it's worth noting so thanks for writing in about that
2: All right. This next message comes to us from Lauren. It is about our uh, series of episodes on document duplication and facsimile. Lauren says, hello, Robin Joe. I was just listening to your second episode on the facsimile and had some personal life experiences to share about carbon paper and how it is still slinking around in the shadows (laughs) of everyday life. Though it feels like it should be obsolete in our modern age, carbon copy paper is not quite a curiosity of the past. It is still frequently used, especially in restaurant settings. Oh, as soon as you said this, I knew what you were talking about. I have worked in restaurants myself, yeah. Um, But Lauren also says, occasionally in the form of receipts, but predominantly so that both the kitchen staff and the servers have access to the order information. So, Rob, do you know what she's talking about here? You have the pad and the, the, the carbon paper on it. One, one copy stays in your hand and one copy goes to the kitchen.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, this, this rings a bell. I, I don't have the, the restaurant experience that you have, but, uh, but of course, I've seen, now that it's been brought to my attention, I've seen this take place. And basically, it comes down to the fact that the kitchen needs to know what the food is going to be, but also uh, the front of the restaurant needs to know as well. I think another way it
2: works sometimes is that one copy goes to the kitchen so they can see what to make, and the other copy gets, like, spiked on a stack so yes. that they can be counted up at the end of the night. So, like, you know all the things that got ordered. Mm. Funny enough, I also have experience with carbon paper for receipts because uh, in my days working in the tourist industry, where I was a ticket seller uh, for, for an attraction in Tennessee, when uh, we – I don't know if it was in power outages or something. We'd have some kind of utility problem, power, internet, or something, and we couldn't. The, the credit card machines wouldn't work electronically. We would still sell tickets with credit cards, but we would use these ancient machines that uh, that like made an impression of the credit card information. So you'd like swipe something oh, over the yeah. card physically, and it would punch the carbon paper.
0: Yeah, I distinctly remember that one from when I would go shopping with my mom when I was a little kid. And, you know, she'd be buying clothing for us or whatnot at the, you know, the mall or Sears or whatever. And uh, that was how she would pay. And they would use that device. And I, I can still hear that sound that it makes in my head as, it, as they bear down on it and roll it over the paper and then back.
2: It's like the pump action on a shotgun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but this is getting you tickets to the IMAX theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the, the the shotgun sound of this, the spike, uh, you know, re- receipts and processing payment used to be so much more violent. Now, you just swipe a card. Okay, sorry, we got sidetracked. Lauren continues...
2: Also, I can buy carbon copy paper at the local discount store a block away, sort of like a dollar store. And because I pay my landlord the monthly rent and bills in sketchy, cold, hard cash, she gives me a receipt for the transaction using a carbon paper copy pad, especially formatted for monetary transactions. Huh. And it doesn't stop there, Lauren says. On a final note, uh, though my memories are vague, I've also had to sign paperwork and official documents at certain places of business and or in employment situations on carbon paper. But certainly, I always felt like I was dealing with an establishment without enough money or foresight to upgrade their technology. Have a wonderful week, and thank you for the always stimulating podcasts,
0: Lauren. Oh, very nice. Well, thanks for writing in, Lauren. Again, we always appreciate uh, these first hand tidbits about the the various places and devices and uh, and other things that we discuss on the show.
2: my fingertips feel weirdly dusty after reading this email. <laughs> what was that uh, feeling? you know that handling carbon mm. paper feeling? you know what I'm talking
0: about? I guess I don't know i i don't i don't have a distinct memory of that no sense memory of that okay, maybe it's a kind of a kind of dusty, kind of waxy, strange mm, okay.
1: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Now, before we get into Weird House Cinema, I would just want to call attention to a couple of of tidbits from, first, uh, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind discussion module, which you can join on Facebook, look it up, and you have to, you know, uh, like apply, and then we let you in, that sort of thing. But um, a listener by the name of William just shared a post that said, Toad dug up vegetables the fastest, which when I read that at the end of the day, uh, one day, I was, I just, I was like, what is this craziness? Is there, a, should I report this? Is, <laughs> is somebody in, in crisis here or something? Um, and I think I even asked them, uh, I was like, well, wait, what? Like, what, what are you talking about? And uh, then they reminded me that we had asked what was Toad's special ability in Super Mario Brothers 2. It's apparently that Toad dug up vegetables the fastest.
2: Right, so you pull those radishes out of the ground. Toad does it faster than, who are the other three? Mario, Luigi, and Peach. Because mm-hmm. Peach so, could
0: float. That was Peach's thing. Right. And M- Mario is just uh, even, distributed. Okay. Yeah. Now, the, the other bit I want to call attention to on the Stuff to Blow Your Mind uh, Discord page Which, if you want the link for that, just email us and we'll send you the link. That seems to be the only way to really make this work. But uh, Fletch wrote in and says, The episode on creatures with transparent bodies reminded me of this novel that I read as a teenager. Legacy of the Stars. No idea if it still holds up, but the central concept was that aliens had attempted to colonize Earth in the Ice Age, leaving behind some technology that a group of prehistoric humans discovered and were able to exploit, living underground in total isolation only to be recontacted in modern times. Because of millennia of subterranean living, they'd become almost completely translucent. I don't remember much more about it since it must be 30 years since I read it, but I remember the idea capturing my imagination. At the time,
2: oh, so like the humans turned into glowworms or something? <laughs> I
0: guess, yeah. This and the title of this book is "Legacy of the Stars" by John Gregory. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with that. I don't think I've read anything by John Gregory, uh, yeah. but but this sounds sounds uh, very very interesting. Uh, you know, one of those um, one of those sci fi novel concepts that uh, very much speaks to the time. Like you you can imagine uh, how cool the the cover art probably looks uh, without even looking it up. You know. All right, well, let's move on into the Weird Al Cinema Feedback.
2: Alright, let's see uh, This first one comes from Nan uh, the, uh, I think both of our Weird House messages today are about uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, but Nan says Hi guys, just wanted to say that today's Weird House Cinema episode on JTM Needs to go in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind Hall of Fame, if one exists <laughs> This was the funniest and most Nostalgia-inducing episode ever With some surprisingly insightful Cinematic analysis, and uh, I think she mentions, uh, Rob, your Comparison between James Bond and Jason Voorhees, the, the oh, striking number of similarities between these two franchises. Uh, and she also calls out the appeal of Tina's, quote, telekinetic home alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tina's great. The new podcast format took some getting used to, but I'm really loving the rhythm and variety of episodes now. Keep up the great work, Nan. Uh, Nan says this, this is the same Nan who wrote the email about landfill goats. Oh, I remember that one. And then finally, Nan says, "P.S. My Canadian husband says he's never heard of Danger Bay, but the show name sounds very Canadian." <laughs> what was that? There were actors in JTM that were in something called Danger Bay.
0: Oh yeah, a lot of Canadian actors, and and so some of, at least one of them had a connection to Danger Bay. Maybe a couple of them. Uh, and Danger Bay was a show that when I when I was a, a small child and lived in Canada for uh, you know a year or so. Um, I, I distinctly remember we had one TV channel, and so whatever was on TV, we would, you know, sometimes watch, especially if it was cold out, obviously. And two shows I distinctly remember were Danger Bay, which had, like, seaplanes and, uh, you know, sea life in it. And then there was a show called um, uh, Seeing Things that had a really catchy tune, uh, theme song to it, and it starred the guy whose head blows up at the beginning of Scanners. <gasps> Yeah, yeah, the the, uh, oh, you know, the bald cool. head kind of—I think he had a mustache—kind of looks like Frank Oz.
2: Hmm. Okay,
0: but I have no idea how truly memorable either of these shows are <laughs> to to true Canadians. They're just you know two shows that were on TV that I caught sometimes when I was like in kindergarten. Nice. <laughs> All right, this next one comes to us from Dan, and it is also about Jason Takes Manhattan. Hello, Robert and Joe. I listened to your Weird House Cinema episode on Jason Takes Manhattan, and I think this might be one of your best Weird House episodes. I've never been much of a fan of the Friday the 13th movies. I've only seen the original, the Cronenberg scenes of Jason X, and the 2009 reboot. I really enjoyed Joe's passionate analysis of the series, and I especially loved your commentary on the trailer. Maybe this is something you could explore in a future special episode where you do a commentary track on an entire film. Attack of the Crab Monsters or it conquered the world, perhaps? He learned too late that man is a feeling creature. <laughs> when Joe said Jason is a nature spirit, I was reminded of something you may have brought up in a Stuff to Bull Your Mind episode from a few years ba- ago, unless I'm misremembering. I don't remember who said it. But you were waxing about how Jason is a pagan god who demands human sacrifice of teenagers in order to appease his bloodthirst. I thought that this could make for an interesting spin uh, that could take the series into Cabin in the Woods territory, where the longtime residents of Crystal Lake must uh, every few years provide teenagers to be sacrificed to he who never died, lest he turn his sights on them. Does this sound familiar? Love all the work you do. Dan. Well, yeah, you know, I, I'm not
2: positive, but I think that, uh, older episode you're remembering may have been the one where we talked about, uh, the masked killer in, uh, it was Mm. like a Halloween season episode. That's right. Um, and we, we talked about how Jason strangely connects back to, uh, Multiple older traditions, like there have been some scholars who argued that Jason emerges from the traditions of like the public executioner, you know, he's like the mm-hmm. the hooded axe man. Uh, but then the other half is, yeah, that he's like the God who must be sacrificed to. And I think that is, in fact, being pretty directly lampooned in Cabin in the Woods.
0: Yeah, Cabin in the Woods, a fun flick. By the way, Dan, uh, watch all of Jason X. It's worth seeing uh, from beginning to end. That (laughs) one's pretty solid. Though though David Cronenberg's uh, cameo is also a lot of fun.
2: I think the most brilliant moment in Jason X is... Whoever came up with the idea of putting Jason into a hollow deck.
0: Oh yeah. So yeah,
2: you know, it's firmly established at this point that Jason cannot be killed. Uh, but I, I that that just awoke my mind. It was like how creative a solution to Jason. You just put him in a hollow deck with infinite fake victims. So then no real person is harmed.
0: He's just entertained forever being in there, and that's a win win. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a film that totally embraces the, the silliness of the concept and is orders of magnitude better than any of the other horror franchises go to space films. Oh, and as for commentary tracks, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we could do a commentary track sometime. I don't know. I don't know if you're, if you're putting out one of these uh, classic uh, horror movies with crab monsters in it on uh, Blu-ray or something and you need somebody to do, uh, uh, do a commentary track. I don't know. Let's talk. Let's see, let's see what we can work out. That's how you make the big bucks. That's, that's, what, the, we're, that's what we're angling for. That's yeah. the big bucks. Right the commentary
2: track money. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, uh, oh! speaking of Weird House, by the way, uh, uh, if you are interested in Weird House merchandise, uh, you can get it along with Stuff to Blow Your Mind merchandise in our uh, t-shirt store. You can go to stufftoblowyourmind.com and there's a tab over to your right uh, that says like store or whatnot. You go there and you can look at some of these designs, including the new design, Rub the fur. Uh, Joe said it, we believe it, and now it is in merch form for you to <laughs> purchase, wear, uh, stick to the side of a bus, uh, you name it. All right. I, I, I got to get me some of our merch. Yeah, yeah, merch hub. I um, i don't think I currently have one of our merch shirts. My uh, my son has a couple of them, though. Uh, like the last few times where we had like a new shirt uh, design, I was like, okay, I'll get, I'll get one for him. Uh, I'm, I'm good. I have too many t-shirts right now. I'll get them for him. He, he looks good in them. get some some cool designs in there so check them out uh and likewise write in if you if there's like a certain design you're like well i wouldn't wear any of these but i would wear this this would be fun Uh, because ultimately that's what the merch store is about it's just fun if something is if you have a fun idea write in let's talk let's figure it out all right, we're going to go ahead and close up the mailbag there. But, hey, we'd love to hear from you. Do you have uh, thoughts on anything we discussed here? Recent episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind or Monster Fact or Artifact or, um, of course, the, the core episodes um, in addition to Weird House Cinema. Uh, we're right in. We would love to hear from you. As always, you can find all of this in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed. where And you can get that wherever you get your podcast. If it serves you a podcast, it is probably a place where you can find our shows.
1: Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024
2: NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release. Presented by Verizon, coming
0: in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more.